This is episode 6 of English VoiceOver in Asia. I am your host, Yui Haruhara, and today we will be hearing from Darren Pleven. Longtime Animax viewers may know him for being the voice of Yusuke Urameshi, Inuyasha, and male Ranma Saltome. Mind you, he is not the North American version actor for these, but those who live in Southeast Asia will be familiar with his performances. There was a jump between my interview with Charles Glover from the last episode and my interview with Darren this episode. In between these interviews, I worked on two very large videos about the hit action shonen franchise Full Metal Alchemist, and it ate up my schedule. That's not to say I didn't try getting interviews as I exchanged messages with people involved in the Hong Kong dub of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but none of them were interested in doing a formal interview. However, when I was in the process of starting research on Urusei Atsura, an all-time classic romantic comedy manga and anime, I looked over a list of people that worked on the Hong Kong dub of that show. Most leads were dead ends, as the woman that voiced one of the lead characters told me over instant messenger she doesn't remember anything about the show, and all other leads either had no contact information or politely declined my request. But I never explored the possibility of Darren Pleven. All I had to work off was a very old photo, so I reached out over Facebook, hoping I got the right guy, thankfully I did, and he agreed to do an interview. Turns out, Darren is into nerdy stuff. When he and I were on a video call, behind him were massive shelves full of things like books, figures, and more. He helped fill in a lot of blanks about the early to mid-2000s works at Omni Productions, including general processes, projects, and other tidbits. Also, the day this podcast is going up is his birthday, January 29th. Happy birthday, Darren. Without further delay, here's my interview with Darren Pleven. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Darren Pleven. I, uh, you know, I'm living in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada now, uh, but for a number of years, uh, specifically, I think it was 96 to 98, 1996 to 1998 and 2004 to 2006, I lived and worked in Hong Kong. I originally was in Hong Kong between the years 1989 and 1994 because I went to high school there. My dad was an airline pilot and I fell into, you know, dubbing just as an accident, really. Huh. Really? <laughs> Do tell. Yeah. Well, so um, I, w- I went to high school in Hong Kong and uh, I went to King George V uh, Secondary School. And then when I graduated there, uh, I went briefly over to a Canadian school to do my uh, grade 13 because I was, uh, you know, from Ontario originally. Um, and it was a Canadian overseas secondary school. But anyway, so. I went back to Canada for some college and uh, I was away from home for the first time and not the best student at the best of times. I ended up uh, needing to get a job and my mom and dad basically very graciously said, you can come back to Hong Kong. Your brother had gotten a job in a pizza shop and you can come here and you can apply to that same pizza shop, which was in Sai Kung. And so I did. And I was, I had been working there for a couple of months and one night, uh, uh, Rick Thomas and his wife, Ina came in with Henry Coombs and I think it was Henry's girlfriend at the time, but I can't remember. And they sat down at a table and I just had the fortune of waiting that table. And they said, Oh, you know, we're always looking for North American, uh, accents. 
did you want to come work for us? And of course I thought, you know, they were pulling my leg at the time, but uh, <laughs> that was, that was kind of it. After that, uh, you know, I went into audition, turns out I could, you know, do the job and then voila, I, I stopped working at the pizza shop. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So been immortalized in various series. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of Godzilla films too, and uh, that is amazing. Various various kung fu films, and you know, probably some commercials out there too. What other positions or jobs did you hold over there other than pizza and uh, <laughs> voice work? <laughs> pizza delivery boy. Um, I was basically that was it. When I went back, it was specifically to get a job, and so I I worked for uh, the pizza joint for a while. Um, and then I got into dubbing and that was kind of my mainstay for those two years between 1996 and 1998. Now in that, at the end of, or sorry, you know, 97, 98, there was the, the whole, uh, Asian economic crisis and the dollar crash. And at the time, one of our, one of the big contracts that were keeping things afloat for us was an Indonesian contract for, uh, like Kung Fu movies <laughs> and because their dollar tanked. Uh, we kind of lost those contracts and then uh, I, I had to go get a real job for a couple of years anyway. Well, what have you done since um, since moving back to Canada? Nothing terribly exciting. Um, I like to tell everybody that being a voice actor was my favorite job. And my second favorite job is working for Canada Post, uh, where I am mm. a letter carrier. So, yeah, I've had a couple, I had a couple of jobs before before doing what I do now, but Okay. That's kind of where I get my, you know, my neat tan and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 real hot this year. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> what's what's uh, what's it like working for a Canada Post? Well, I mean, it's you know, it's got its ups and downs. Uh, working through Canada Post uh, or for Canada Post through the pandemic was was a real uh, interesting challenge. Our volumes um, were Christmas level throughout a lot of it. So oh my we were gosh. delivering like millions of parcels, like not, you know, personally delivering millions of parcels, but like, you know, as, as a corporation doing it. So, you know, it's been fun. I think one of my favorite things about being a letter carrier is I get to spend a lot of just time on my own, you know, delivering and, you know, thinking things up. I do a lot of, uh, a lot of role-playing games. And so huh. I tend to come up with like plots and stuff like that as I'm going at that time. Now you mentioned over, messenger that you worked for a games workshop was it yeah sorry that i did work for games workshop that was between 2000 and 2002 okay yeah so i um i worked for gw down in windsor ontario and um yeah that was that was a lot of fun again I, i've like been a huge nerd you know for as long as i can remember and so you know getting into the dubbing and doing all that was just phenomenal, especially when I got into like series like Wolf's Rain and, and Ghost in the Shell and stuff like that, where that sort of fantasy stuff really, you know, spoke to who I was yeah. as a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> what what else do you do in your free time? Um, you know, so I, uh, oh man, my, my hobbies are varied. And, and I, I mean, as you can see behind me here, I am, uh, I love to, I love to play games. I'm a big role-playing, you know, fanatic. I've I probably spend more than I need to on role-playing games. I'm also a big board game fan. Uh, I do a lot of reading. 
Um, I do some writing here and there, you know, nothing, nothing major. Um, but I also uh, love to listen to music. I just recently started collecting records and stuff because, you know. So tell me a little bit about the process of voiceover in Hong Kong. Like, what is the casting and audition process like? One of the things about dubbing in Hong Kong is for the longest time, there was one outfit doing most of the dubbing. There was another smaller outfit and they kind of got some of the work, but but the company that I worked for, Omni, did most mm. of the dubbing, right? They, most of the contracts, most of all yeah. the work. And so we were a team really assembled. There were usually, you know, like between three and four girls and three and four guys. And we dubbed everything. So as far as the casting process went, it would really depend on what your vocal range was. So I, I got a lot of young heroes and sidekicks and stuff like that to play. But, you know, I was almost guaranteed a spot in everything we did. There were only a couple where obviously I didn't fit. And because with the more kid-oriented shows, the ones that had the younger cast, uh, the women then tended to do like all those characters. Even the ones that you're like, oh, look, that would be a you know, Cardcaptor Sakura, one of the characters there was like, you would, I would think would be like uh, a male voice, but a, you know, a woman would end up doing that as well. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But so as far as like the casting process, it was mostly just the director sitting down going, well, this person is perfect for this role. This person is perfect for this role. This person is perfect for this role. And okay. so if I use like Captain Harlock as an example, you know, Russell was had the perfect deep voice for that. And so yeah. I wanted to be Captain Harlock. I mean, don't get me <laughs> wrong. I, I campaigned for that role. Um, but in the end, you know, Russell was the perfect fit for it. And then I got to do another character in the in the show. I can't remember his name, but the younger hero. I mean, does that answer your question about casting? Yeah, because that falls in line with a lot of what a lot of other people have said. It's just kind of like, okay, you're the mom, you're the dad, you're the kid. Like yeah. they just kind of like play it by ear. You yes. know, there's no, there's not really a casting call. It, they just kind of pick you. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah. I said, there's like six to eight of us, and you were gonna do that character, that character. Now, with the like one-off characters that would show up. We would normally, because there would be like four or five of us in the in the recording booth at one point in time, we would just be, you know, silently, you know, signaling to each other. You know, I would point at man A and I would, you know, and then Russell would say, okay, yeah, you know, like he'd silently sign that he would be man B. And then we would just know that when those roles came up on screen, they were taken care of. Okay. You know, because, because the big thing about the stuff that we did was we were doing it at speed right we were doing it as fast as we possibly could yeah so uh <laughs> the fewer the fewer times we had to change it i mean there were some times when it was it was possible to like pick up a script page without making any noise and keep going you know <laughs> but a lot of the time you know i had to shut it down and uh and actually you know move people in and out of the in and out of the studio but what was the recording process like as far as like matching the lip flaps from inception to end, I mean, you know that we get lip sync dubbing scripts, right? Yeah. So somebody has taken the, the the rough translation and they've tried to make it make sense and then they've tried to fit it to, to lip flaps. Now, every script writer has a different cadence that they write at. Some people talk fast, some people talk slow. So we would try and get a feel as we were doing it for the speed that the script writer would have written it at. 
and the speed with which the character is speaking on screen. Like I did a number of lip sync uh, scripts and I would always try and match that kind of cadence. So the character on screen is a flat, 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 flat. So I'm not trying to put too many words in there. I'm still trying to get the, the meaning of what they're trying to say out without going over. And the studios that we were dubbing for really wanted us to match off screen length as well. Hmm. So even though like when a character speaks and goes off screen, you could continue to fill, you know, time with, you know, more dialogue, but they would want us to stick to the original soundtrack. Um, okay. So in, in terms of that, you know, you get the, you get your lip sync script, you get it down on the page, you have all your pauses and everything in it. And if that is accurate, if the, like the scripts that were written by Michael Quinn were usually really good. You know, we could get in there, but there, there are always some scripts that aren't going to be so great. They're not fit really perfectly. And so we would have to really um, get it. And this is where Candace was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Able to like ad lib on the fly to like add in extra words that she needed to oh. just to like pad a sentence out. Right. So that it fit the flaps. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're really, you're looking for your character on screen to start speaking and then hopefully the pauses are all in the right place. So you can just go from page to screen, you know, watching what you're doing. I mean, has anybody talked to you about like the actual process of what we're doing when we're sitting there? A lot of what people talk about, I think is after you left. Cause like Michael Pizzuto, that's like late two thousands, early 2010s. Okay. <clears throat> so you okay, can go so, ahead and go into that. Yeah. So like from my perspective, we would get in the four or five of us cram into the room shut the door. And then we all had these little radios uh, with a single earphone and that would be tuned into the original soundtrack. And so as the original soundtrack is playing in your ear, you're memorizing the first couple words of your character's dialogue. And then you're looking up and you're watching for your character on, on screen. And so you can hear him and you can see him speak. And that kind of like syncs everything up because trying to do it when you're just watching for him and trying to do it if you're just listening for him you're always going to be a little behind but combining those two you tend to be able to anticipate things a little bit better and so as soon as the character starts speaking bam you start following suit you're speaking for them right uh you're 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 dubbing those lines in and and again hopefully the pauses in the script are correct because sometimes you get like a page and a half of just solid dialogue that you're doing on your own and if the pauses don't match up then you could be all over the place but yeah good script good timing and you're able to just crank those lines out and go from page to page to page now we were like i said we were trying to do things at speed so every 22 22 minute episode that we got uh in front of us we were trying to get done in an hour and a half oh my god and that was like that was a good day if we can get four episodes done in a single day we were laughing right some some episodes were a little bit more difficult because either the the, the script would be wonky or you know somebody would be off that day not not off sick but just like not having a great day not really you know able to hit their mark and so that might push it to two two and a half hours uh, per episode oh. so you know we were trying to crank these things out because that was, you know, the, the nature of the beast. We needed to get the content out for uh, for Animax or, you know, whoever was getting these uh, these episodes. And so, yeah, you were you were in there, and that's why when like 
when I talk about like Russell or um, I can't remember Dave's last name right now. Oh, Dave. I've talked, I talked to him. Dave Bridges. Dave Bridges. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, whenever we were, or even like Candace and stuff, I used to love working with Candace because, or, and, and Andrea too, but we used to be able to riff off each other. So <laughs> you could, you could look at the line on the, on the script and immediately think, Oh, that that's not written very well. That's not really a very, you know, a, a very good line. It's not, you know, so you would ad lib it on the fly. You take the meaning of the line and you would change it around and gun it out. And if you had somebody like a Candace or an Andrea or a Dave or a, or a Russell, they could get that line and fire back at you, ad lib back at you. Um, which was always a lot of fun for the, for the people that weren't as quick, it usually threw them off. Be like, <laughs> where was that line in the script? Anyway. So that process, you know, and of course you have the director in the studio who's following along with the script, who's watching to make sure you're not going too fast to see if mouth flaps are short. If you need to add like a just or an and or a but or like whatever you needed to add to the line to just pad it out just a little bit or to rewrite it on the fly. Some of the okay. times we would get a new script writer in, um, that would need to happen. Sorry, I'm rambling on. Tell no, me I, I'm very interested. Thank you so much for all this info. <laughs> I want the info dump. Okay, okay. Um, and so when I first started in 90, between 96 and 98, we had the ability to like two tracks. So um, if somebody missed their cue, they could go back and throw that extra line in without having to go all the way back and do the whole scene again. Um, but later on, between 2004, 2006, I don't know if just the technology had changed or... Uh, the capacity to utilize the technology had changed, but they sometimes they were able to stretch the line just a little bit. Or if somebody started late but they ended late, they could just take that whole line and shift it over. Ah. There are some times when I've watched <laughs> when I was living in Hong Kong and 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 we were watching some of the stuff on Animax. I'd be watching and going, "Oh, oh, I started late there. Oh, I missed that reaction. Oh, you know." Uh. But sometimes they were able to to fix that in the in the studio just uh, like shift things or whatever right so especially if a take was good but again we didn't get any this is the big thing that i think a lot of people don't realize we didn't have any rehearsal the first time that we saw that line showing up was the first time we saw that line showing up yeah and so you know we hit it or we didn't we hit the mark or we didn't hit the mark and usually you know the director's there to stop us or you know, as a voice actor who has, you know, some pride in what they were doing, you could say, uh, hey, can I have another crack at that? I don't think it was very good. Yeah. You know, or he started to get angry near the end of the sentence and I didn't realize because I was reading off the script instead of looking up. And that was always the that was always the trick was to constantly be looking up and looking down. You can't just rely on what's in the earpiece because you're talking over it. You really have to be looking up to see what's on the screen to try and hit your marks. So you're reading ahead and you know, trying to anticipate changes and stuff. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I think again, that's the my favorite job that I've ever had. You know, working with a great group of people and working with some fantastic, uh, you know, entertainment properties. Yeah. Like some of those shows. I mean, like Candace said to you, she doesn't remember a lot of what we did, and yeah, <laughs> I don't either. Over a two-year period, both times we did probably hundreds of shows yeah that's what i've you heard know? um one voice actor told me it's like a factory you're doing like three shows a day yeah. over the course of a work day well you know it's funny when you go in for like uh the audition to join the team you're not used to 
the fact that you're doing all your emoting, you know, with your voice and the microphone's going to pick up all the noise, you know, like you scratch your beard and it picks up the noise. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you, you breathe heavy and it picks up the noise because there are people that will get behind that microphone and maybe they've watched the the Hollywood greats doing their stuff and right. they look like they're, they're running and they're emoting and stuff like that. But, you know, you would start clapping because the people on screen are clapping and you're like, no, 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 you just ruined the line. Go back and do it again. <laughs> of course yeah, we were crammed in together. Right. So you couldn't really like get all emotive yeah. with your hands and stuff. What were, I know you talked about a lot of this already, but were there any other challenges of working in voice acting in Hong Kong? Well, because we were always working for different studios, one of the biggest challenges was finding those studios. Because sometimes you would, you know, you'd be given directions. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, some of them, you know, were uh, little holes in the wall on the fifth floor of a building with no working elevator. Oh, no. Well, one of the neat things about Hong Kong is like so much of it is concrete. Like you're used to North America, right? You, uh, you know, your house or whatever is surrounded by earth and dirt and land and stuff. And so if you put your soundproofing in, you, you should pretty much be okay. And all the apartment buildings and the streets and the infrastructure and stuff like that, there's so much concrete because I guess it conducts heat or whatever. So, you know things cool down a lot quicker but that means that the guy jackhammering four blocks away you can hear him when you start to record so (laughs) we'd be sitting down to do whatever you know it'd be an anime or kung fu movies or godzilla movies or whatever and you would sit down to record and be just ready to to deliver your line and suddenly jackhammering would happen and it sounds like it's in the room with you and you're like okay okay stop stop we gotta wait we gotta wait yeah and then, and then it would peter off and it would stop. And you'd be like, wait, is he done? Okay, I think he's done. Okay, go. Yeah. And for some days, like heavy construction days, trying to like fit in the lines in between, in between the, uh, the jackhammering was, uh, was a challenge. Oh my gosh. You can't control the outside environment. But it was interesting to sit in a fully soundproofed room five stories above street level and still hear those sounds like they were right next to you. Oh my gosh. That, that would, that would annoy me to no end. <laughs> but it was annoying. Yeah. Some days, you know, you get like one or two episodes done because that's it. Ugh. So what is your, what are some of your favorite projects you worked on? I ghost in the shell. I've always been a big sci-fi fan and that includes like the cyberpunk genre and stuff. So ghost in the shell is fantastic. Uh, that's the one that really sticks with me. And and I had the good graces to be able to do the lip sync dubbing scripts for those as well. So I, I saw each episode through from, because I played Togusa um, or to- Togusa um, from beginning to end. Right. So I saw the raw material come in, I shaped it and then we dubbed it. Okay. So I was in the whole time. Ghost of Shells one. I loved in you. Inuyasha, uh, being able to scream for a hundred episodes was fantastic. <laughs> and I mean, I take I took a lot of inter- inspiration because I really wanted to do this character uh, proud. So I, 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 you know, I, I listened a lot to the to the original audio and uh, Richard Ian Cox. Uh, oh, really? Vancouver. You know, I I took a lot of inspiration from him in in what I did. And then um, you know, Gundam Double Zeta was a lot of fun and. Uh, even though I know everybody tells me it was like the more comedic Gundam 
that was out there. And um, Wolf's Rain that I mentioned before. And uh, Yu Yu Hakusho was a lot of fun. Yeah, that that is still highly regarded over here as an all-time classic. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I uh, didn't know you listened to Richard Ian Cox as Inuyasha. I, yeah, I did, because I really wanted to get a sense of what had been done before. And, you know, being a Canadian, I, you know, looking for Canadian heroes. Uh, <laughs> um, well, he is, he, is, he is a legend. He is a legend. I always remember watching Stargra- Stargate. Uh, was it Stargate Atlantis? Anyway, one of the episodes, I'm like, I recognize that voice. <laughs> and sure enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, cool, he's doing like live action too? Awesome. <laughs> Have you ever talked to him? No, I haven't. No, okay. no I, haven't, I haven't talked to any of the North American folks. Have you? Um, I, I'm friends with several of them, but sweet because yeah, I, I'm in contact for videos and stuff, or from conventions or what have you. Cool. Uh, Richard Ian Cox is unfortunately not one of them. I would love to get you in touch with them. Uh, how about least favorite or most challenging projects? Most challenging. Um. I think the challenge always came not necessarily from the project itself, but from the script or the environment that day. You know, like I'd mentioned the the jackhammering, the script was always going to be problematic. Um, If we had a new script writer or someone who just didn't have the ability to take that raw material and make it legible, like some of the scripts we get that would come out. I mean, I was always... uh, I was always accused of writing very Shakespearean dialogue. <laughs> so like my dialogue wasn't, you know, going to be the best, but I could put a coherent sentence together. And, and sometimes it was like, you would look at the raw translation and look at what, you know, the scriptwriter had come up with. And there's not really a lot of difference besides the spacing. So that, that always uh, provided a challenge. Here we are, here we are complaining because we aren't able to get an episode out in an hour and a half instead of, <laughs> you know, the two and a half hours it takes because the script needs to be rewritten on yeah. the fly. That, that usually is what provided the challenges or, or, you know, created problems because I, I legitimately loved doing voice acting. I mean, you sit down, you get to be like part of the show. You're, you're voicing this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially like as a nerd, <laughs> you know, as someone who loves all that stuff, uh, you know, getting into the moment being like, Oh yeah, this is just cool. Like watching the episode as you're dubbing it and you're going, Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome fight scene or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You said you've watched some of the projects. I was curious. Do you know what the general turnaround time was from the script writing to the recording to putting it on TV? Uh, I'm not totally sure, but I know it wasn't that long. A couple of weeks. Oh God. Yeah, it was quick. Like yeah. they were taking, they were taking what we did and, and they were, you know, doing what they needed to do to it, to get it ready to be out on the, on the television. So it was, it was fast. Huh. <sighs> I think I know the answer to this. Do you have any recordings of the stuff you've worked on? Uh, um, no. That's what what I do thought. I have? <clears throat> I know there's, I know there are a couple of things on YouTube. Yeah, but I know like some people like I know Russell has some stuff, and yeah. Michael Pizzuto ha- like he DVR'd it. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, like that, I was wondering if you had anything like that. I thought I I think I have a CD somewhere that has some Animax stuff stuff on it, mm. but I can't remember what it is. 
Okay. I know that the stuff that I've looked up is usually usually what pops up is somebody comparing uh, my Inuyasha to Richard's. Yeah. Um, his is always better. <laughs> <laughs> um, or Tokyo Godfathers. That's another big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if you personally had any stuff that wasn't released yet. No, no, I don't think so. Okay. I would love to get some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so you listen to Richard Ian Cox. Um, have you listened to any other American actors? Like, have you ever listened to Justin Cook as Yusuke and Yu Yu Hakusho? Or... No. Um, when we were over there doing the dubs, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to hear that stuff. You know, unless I was buying the DVDs from <laughs> from the U.S. and having them shipped over. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you know, we were... I mean... You know, I talk about like writing the scripts and going in and, and dubbing the episodes. Like a, a lot of us that were doing both, we were burning the candle at both ends. So you would go into the studio at, you know, early in the morning. You would do your six to eight hours in the studio. And then you would go home and you would start working on scripts for the next day. So having a lot of opportunity uh, to listen to the guys that were doing you know, the same stuff that you were doing. It wasn't, it wasn't really there. You know, you didn't have that opportunity. Okay. And what was your, you said you did anime and you did like live action and all that. Uh, what was your favorite kind of work with it? Oh, okay. So <laughs> and I always, I always love telling people about this. My favorite uh, experiences always came from doing the, the Godzilla films. Ooh. Doing, Doing the anime was a lot of fun. We, you know, like, you know, it was like being in a factory. You were, you were, you were less a voice actor and more a voice engineer. You were going in to like fill stuff and get stuff done as fast as possible. And it was always like a through line with any of the things that we were doing from the kung fu movies to the anime. But the Godzilla films were unique for me, at least, in that the way the film was done was it was taken and it was broken up into 30, 20 and thirty second segments called loops, um, and they would break the script down so that they had like all the women come in in the morning and then it would end, you know, they would slowly trickle off during the day as people finished their lines and stuff. And we would usually finish those movies. We'd start at nine in the morning and we would usually finish them around like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. And so the, the, the thing that I loved about the loop film is the 20 or 30 second loop because of the way it was being recorded, it had to be, nailed in its entirety every time so you would get two or three rehearsals at it and then they would record the loop and if anybody messed up during that loop you had to go back and do the loop over again and i mean but it was fun i mean you were doing a godzilla film yeah (laughs) and by the by the end of the night everyone is just we're gassed we're (laughs) we're running on fumes and we're trying to get these last couple lines done. And, you know, when you get tired, things start to get funny. <laughs> and uh, I remember being so like Henry Coombs and, and uh, uh, Craig, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Craig and I used to be usually the last three in. So it would usually be the three of us that were that were left. And Henry was always the hero because he just had that voice. I was always a sidekick. And Craig was always like the grizzled veteran. <laughs> we're sitting there trying to get these these lines down and Ina is directing us and Rick is uh, at this point usually asleep on the couch in the back of the studio uh, 
<laughs> he's gonna kill me for saying that but anyway uh so henry turns to me at one point after take and he said you know what every time i do a line your next line you do louder and i'm like oh, really that's he's like yeah that's just a going thing and so we get to the next loop and we practice, we practice and we go to record and sure enough, he says his line and my line comes up and I'm yelling it. And, you know, we, it stops the whole production because we're just dying laughing at that point, you know, 12, 12 o'clock, you know, 1230 in the morning and, and we're, we're losing our minds because we're so tired, but it was, I always really enjoyed those experiences because of the, uh, just the nature of the beast and, and uh and the fact that we were dubbing godzilla films yeah and and you know my claim to fame um is not i mean i don't have a credit on the tristar releases but i know that that's my voice you know in huh. godzilla versus destroyer godzilla versus space godzilla and i think it was godzilla 2000 so yeah hmm. maybe 2000 wow yeah anyway so yeah that that is awesome. I, I I don't have much knowledge about dubbing Godzilla or like you know the kaiju films. Uh huh. So that's fascinating. And then you said 2006 you left. Yeah. So I worked from 2004 to 2006. Yeah, um, like when about in 2006? Uh, it would be October 2006 is when I finally left Hong Kong for the last time. Okay. Um, and at that time. Uh, I think the landscape is about to change. I mean, for me, like you've talked about dubbing not being something that a person can sustain themselves on, right? And mm -hmm. so, like one of your friends is a teacher and and stuff like that. And and I looked at my life at the time and thought, I'm doing something I really enjoy, but my bosses are going to retire. Somebody else is going to take over the company, and they're not going to have as big a stranglehold on the industry as as Rick and Nina did. And so. I knew that the you know the lifestyle I was accustomed to was going to change, and I also knew that I didn't have any relevant skills I could fall back on if I needed to. You know, I didn't have a teaching degree, I didn't have you know all these different things. So that's when I decided, okay, I'm just going to pull the plug. This has been fun, but I need to go get what they would call a real job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now I deliver mail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's exciting in its own way. Yeah, it is. It is. It gives me a lot of time to think about stuff. So that's really cool. And the last general question is: yes. What would you do to warm up your voice? Oh, uh, nothing. Okay, <laughs> fair. Yeah, I know Russell would come in, and Russell would do all sorts of like uh, things. He was he was always drinking like you know teas with wasps in them and stuff, and like to, to like help heal his throat because all the screaming we would do and oh, i would gosh. just go in and sit down and belt you know like yeah. i never thought about warming up okay <laughs> i mean it could also mean why the you know the first couple lines out during the day were always going to be rough <laughs> all right so now onto specific projects yes um when did you record yu yu haka show and what did you think of the project oh when did we record it well i know it was between 2004 2006 Okay. As as far as like specific dates, I can't really tell you. Uh, I really enjoyed it um, uh, playing Yusuke because, I mean, the subject matter. I love, you know, horror. Uh, and while it wasn't exactly a horrifying show, it had to deal with yokai and like yeah. you know ghosts and spirits and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. 
and and sort of how that that storyline evolved. Um, so yeah, I. I have a soft spot in my heart for that one. Now, remembering like details over what we did at that time, that's again, Candace answered that question best. You know, like that was, yeah. what are we now, 2022? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, I always, cha- I feel like I'm challenging people's memories, but some people have very clear memories of working on a show in oh, some sure. capacity. If it's like a really big role or something they really, really liked. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be like, oh yeah, I can tell you all about that. <laughs> and I mean, at the time, yeah, I was all over it. I was making sure continuity was good between episodes because I, you know, I was invested in the material. But you know, sixteen years later, um, and we did hundreds of episodes over those two years. Like we really, really did a lot of work. Uh, not to mention all the other things that we were doing because I, I did. Uh, voiceovers for commercials at the time and you know kung fu movies so you know there was a lot that we were doing yeah because i was going to tell you about you haka show is that script was not done in hong kong that is basically a carbon copy of the american dub then they touched it up to remove the swearing and then added just touched it up with a few pop culture jokes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know if you knew that i i think i was aware yeah. I didn't do any of the script writing for it. That was one of the funniest things for that I felt was the fact that uh, anime is not, you know, you know, in North America we look at it and we go, okay, cartoons are typically, typically, you know, marketed to to kids, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the that's what Animax in in Hong Kong were under the impression that these are cartoons, right? And so they must be for kids, and so we have to to totally take everything out because there was a, what was it? The show, um, one of the monkey King shows that a really, really catchy, like uh, theme song. Well, anyway, so there at the beginning of the, the show, there were these guys that came out and on the script, it said that their names were, uh, or the name of the, the group was F R I G G A N. So we were pronouncing it friggin. And the guys in the studio were like, no, oh, no, I can't say friggin. We couldn't say things like it sucks. Yeah. We couldn't say like hell or God damn it or whatever. Right. I, sucks was always a thing that like killed me. You know, I understand where it's coming from, but at the same time, it's like, you just use that in like common parlance, right? Oh man, that sucks. Yeah. Um, but that was, no, like, no, these are for kids. kids. Yeah. Kids TV. You can't say that. Yeah, because one of the examples I can think of off the American script versus the Animax script for Yu Yu Hakusho was one, one scene, Yusuke says, in that case, I'm screwed, but in, in the Animax dub, it says, in that case, I'm toast. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise, it's like it's stuff. like a carbon copy. <laughs> yeah, have you... Yeah, you said you haven't watched the American dub. Um, no. Yeah, would highly, highly recommend it. Okay. Well, you, yeah, Yu Yu Hakusho is a solid show. It's been a while um, since I've watched any anime. Well, with the exception of Attack yeah, on Titan. Yeah, I was going to say Attack on Titan, but yeah. Okay, Urusei Yatsura. So I'm going to be real. That's the reason I reached out to you originally. I was ta- okay. I'm working with someone on this. And okay. we were just like, okay, we're, what are our leads? Can't get in touch with Andrea Kwan. Candice Moore is a dead, dead end. Russell Waite's not responding. Um, so I'm just kind of like going through our, our heads. I'm just like, oh, well, yeah, what about, what about Darren? I haven't really looked him up. And I, I saw you on Facebook, and I'm like, I have this low quality JPEG to go off of your face from probably 20 years ago. And I'm, I'm trying to like match it up. I'm like, 
if this isn't him, this is a very good doppelganger. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully it was you. I'm just like, I really hope I'm not messaging someone completely random. (laughs) Nice. But anyway, uh, Urusi Atsura, I think you were the dad in that dub. I'm going to have to do a a quick... This is just a show with such a weird... Oh, yes. Right. Okay, sorry. No, you are fine. Um, Do you remember anything about it? Uh, What do I remember about it? It was at Omni, correct? It was at Omni, yeah. No, everything I did was for Omni. Okay, everything you did was for Omni. Yeah. I'm writing that down, because there's so many question marks about that particular dub. There's, like, one episode available, plus clips of a few others. That was was one of the things... uh... Some of some of the dubs, some of the ad libs that we did did take a lot of liberties. Um, sometimes it was like the the line on script would be like, you know, something, and we would change it. I think there was a why can I not remember Midori Midori days. Okay. Yeah, where he has the the, the girl in his hand. I'm I, the name sounds familiar. Okay, yeah, that was another one that they had to heavily edit. There was a, a moment in the he was in like a, a bathhouse or whatever and there was a woman there uh, without any clothes on and they were like they they chopped that scene all to pieces <laughs> um but yeah no it was the the line was something about cooking how he's really good at cooking and and i ad lived in if yan can cook so can i uh which i thought was <laughs> hilarious and they left it in so yeah i mean again the, sometimes the issue that we were having with uh with scripts was always going to be the rough translation, which was given to the scriptwriter, who maybe really didn't know what was going on, and yeah. so they would change things to what they thought was right, and then you know you get that, that yeah. telephone thing happening. Yeah. Question: When you did the the script writing, did you just receive a half translated script, or did you have access to the Japanese version, or no? Well, we were always given the translation. Right. So as far as I don't know exactly what happened in the in the back end, but from my perspective, what would happen is um, the they would have a translator who would watch the um, the Japanese version. They would dump everything down and then that would get given to the scriptwriter. And sometimes it would be good and they would have time codes and they would have pauses. And sometimes it would just be walls and walls of words and you would have to sort of figure out where it started and where it ended and then you know who's talking and who's not talking because one of the big things about uh the way we dubbed things was the and i said it multiple times i'm a nerd so <laughs> i love to pay attention to these things so when i'm watching an episode and i go no no, no that's not a man a that's actually this character and he's going to show up again and we better cast it right now you can't just give it to somebody randomly or else you get things in uh, in an episode where somebody goes, oh, I'll be man A here. And then, you know, a couple pages later, they're like, oh, I'm going to be man B. And then you find out that those two are main characters and that actor is talking to himself a scene later. You know oh, my gosh. I mean? And so the depending on your scriptwriter, depending on, you know, how it's been translated, they would they would have they would have given the character a name based on like who the character is, or it would just be like man, a man, B woman, a woman, B man, one man, two, you know, that sort of thing. So trying to make sure that 
everything was lined up was kind of everybody's job in the studio. You needed to be paying attention to that stuff. Okay. All right. That answers a lot of questions about as far as when I'm looking at these dubs and I'm cross-checking it with like the Japanese version or something. Yeah. And I'm like, how did they get that wrong? And it, it's just one big game of telephone. Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Just the video I'm working on right now. I don't know if you've heard of K on. Okay. Yeah. There, there's some jokes that just fall flat because it's clear. Someone in the process didn't understand how the joke worked. Uh-huh. So it just kind of fell flat, but other shows I'm looking at, I'm just like, it's the same deal. It's like, well, there is um, one of the scripts, and I was telling the story earlier today. One of the scripts that I wrote for a show, and I can't remember which one it was. Uh, I want to say Card Captor Sakura, but I don't think that's right. Anyway, I came into the studio halfway through the day after delivering the latest script because I had lines that were coming up. And I come into the, the studio, I come into the episode that I had written earlier, and it turns out that I had made a typo in a line at the beginning of the show, which changed the meaning of the line around. And they had rewritten every line after that as they were going based on that typo. Oh, no. So, yeah. So like, I'm like, no, 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 that's not supposed to be what's happening. And they're like, um, no, no, we, we changed this like an hour ago. <laughs> and this is what we're doing for the rest of the episode. And be like, oh, but you're changing no. the meaning of everything that's being said. Like, this is not, that's not the point. That's not what's happening. And they're like, no, no, no we're too far in. <laughs> we're just going because we got to get, you know, another two episodes out today. So, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the foibles of doing, you know, an episode in an hour and a half, but also like trying to uh, write the the post sync dubbing script as fast as possible. And I don't know if you've ever tried, but it is a painful process because you are, especially if you've got a wall of dialogue that one character is saying, because you're you're skipping back, you're skipping back, you're skipping back, right? Each time you're reading through what you've written. You're matching mouth flaps. You're trying to make sure the pauses are correct. And to start off with, we, we were using VHS tapes and then we're using DVDs. And if the player that you're using doesn't go back in like small increments, it goes back in giant increments. You, you're watching the same like 20 seconds over and over and over again. <laughs> you know, so it's, you know, it, it's a 22 minute episode turns into a two hour ordeal. And then of course you go into the studio and you get to see it, you know, being butchered by your, by your colleagues no, i'm just kidding <laughs> oh, great job. yeah but yeah uh Atsura, uh no real memories of that in particular uh, yeah a space girl in leopard print that's kind of remember what i remember <laughs> about that uh, yeah no it's all good i I, to- I totally get it um you helped answer a lot of questions already about what we had uh-huh. um but yeah because like i said just there's so many question marks especially like how many episodes y'all did yes yeah like obviously i don't i don't expect an exact number we have 65 at most or at least i mean at least of of that particular show yeah like 65 i don't know if you would know anyone that would know yeah i don't know i know i did i think the most i know i did from any one show was i did 110 episodes of any action yeah and then whatever uh, whatever Yu Yu Hakusho ended up being. Yeah, exactly. That was another giant chunk. And those were done over like a couple of weeks worth of work, right? Good, so Good Lord. We were working 
some days we work seven days a week, or some some weeks we work seven days most of the time we work in five to six yeah so we were like just cranking it out so I, sorry, Inu, go ahead. Go yeah ahead. inuyasha and yu yu Hakusho, you did it in a couple of weeks yeah i mean like maybe at most a couple of months but like that was wow. you know we were we were getting chunks you know we were doing four to six episodes a day um five to seven day stretches you know, so if you do the math there, if we're doing like 30 to 35 episodes a week of one show, right, we're getting it done pretty fast. <laughs> that is in- incredible. <laughs> All right, so, kind of a curveball question, I guess. Were you in Detective Conan? Yes, I was in Detective Conan. I'm going to take a stab at who you voiced. Were you Shinichi? Oh, you see, you're throwing names at me, and it's been <laughs> so long. Uh... Because that is a dub with tons of question marks. The only thing we know for sure is Russell was the detective, the uh, the bumbling detective. Right. He was. Where's the yeah, Kogoro. I I voiced two characters in in Detective oh. Conan. Yeah, I did do I did do Shinichi. Called it. <laughs> you I just have did. you have the voice for it. I did somebody else too. The guy who never opened his eyes. Oh, you know what? I know someone who'd probably be able to answer that question, but I think she's playing Splatoon right now. Cause that's yeah, that's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was me, Shinichi, trying and to do as, as young and quiet a voice as I possibly could. Guy that never opened his eyes. I'm going I'm to ask Kate. <laughs> she, she will know. I, I, I like Detective Conan, but I'm not as invested in it as okay. she is. They, somebody, they make a joke at some point about him not never opening his eyes fully or yeah. something like that. That, okay, yeah, that's awesome because that's not recorded anywhere online. I've heard oh, someone really? say, yeah, I've heard there's no recordings of the dub. The only thing we know is Russell was, his name is Kogoro. He's the bumbling yes. detective. And then I've heard someone say Andrea was Conan, the, the little boy. Andrea's probably Conan. Yeah, she just seems yeah. the type. <laughs> yeah, Andrea, yeah, Andrea has a pretty distinct uh, boy's voice. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear it, but... They were really fun. I think my the the one that I remember the most was that they were investigating this thing, and somebody had murdered somebody else, and the the culprit was the fat guy. Um, but it turns out he wasn't really a fat guy. I remember that episode. He was just wearing a pillow. Yeah, he's wearing or a big, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. Question about that because you were Shinichi. You you weren't the little boy Conan with the glasses. You were the older right. one. Yeah. Did you do his internal dialogue? Uh. Probably not. <laughs> I I don't know. I to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I remember. I remember doing the character uh, because he was quiet. They okay. wanted me to do a quieter voice for him. Okay. But you you were he's a fat guy. <laughs> No, I don't remember if I was a fat guy. I, that might have been Dave. Uh, Dave okay. To play the fat guys. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, Dave always had that great growly yeah. voice for all the characters that he did. Yeah. No, I, I remember that episode in particular. Yeah, it's just such a such a crazy thing to discover. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, <laughs> oh no, he's been working out this whole time. Nobody knew he got skinny. Yeah. He's wearing a fat suit. So that he could commit this this crime, yeah, and not and not be caught. But you know, Detective Conan figured it out. Yeah, no, that 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 is such an awesome show. It's still going. It has over really. A thousand, it has over a thousand episodes. That's amazing. I know. I'm glad to hear that. 
And then last specific question was, were you in Dragon Ball? Yes. Thought so. Yeah. I, I'd rather not thought so, but hope so. Yeah, I know. There's ton, tons and tons and tons of characters for Dragon Ball. But yeah. Did you do uh, the? Do you know if you did the whole series or? No, because that's where I was getting close to leaving, I believe. And I think uh, somebody took over for me. I'm just trying to remember who I played. Was it Yamcha? Oh, Yamcha. Yeah, I think so. Very cool. But yeah, I can't remember. Uh, Andrew told me the gentleman's name who took over for me after I left, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. Very cool. One of the cool things that I've had happen with some of these really obscure projects is Michael Pizzuto sent me a listing from a schedule he had uh-huh. via via email, an old, old, old email from uh, Dr. Slump, which is by the same author as Dragon Ball. And he's helped fill in so many blanks just by sending me a script or a script, uh, uh, a schedule. Oh, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. I wonder, I don't know if I still have, I know I have my old computer that I used to do all my, all my stuff. Yeah, yeah if you want to do I... investigation work. <laughs> can, investigative be, work. Yeah, be Shinichi. Yeah. Uh, I would have to look. I would have to look for sure. But I, yeah, I may just, have. yeah, help fill in a lot of blanks. That's I love looking at Hong Kong dubs. Just look at someone else's childhood, someone else's resume. Oh, for sure. Yeah, another version of the work, and I, I do think it's worth looking at. But that's that's really cool that you were uh, Yamcha. Yeah, I think I was. I mean, and again, that was like so long. Ago. Dragon Ball is another thing that's still wildly popular. I don't know if you oh, heard that huge. the the new movie dropped a couple weeks ago. Oh, did it? And it was number one in its opening weekend. Sweet. Yeah, well, it, it it uh, it outsold an Idris Elba film. Yeah, <laughs> the beast. <laughs> yeah, it I mean, was nobody. Nobody wanted to go and watch Idris Elba fight the giant lion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Dragon Ball just outsold it so considerably. It was kind of an anomaly, but cool. I went. I went and saw it with some friends, and we had a great time. But yeah, Dragon Ball still massively popular. That's awesome. So that that's a really cool thing about kind of connecting voice actors to who used to do projects like this to what's going on now like detective conan dragon ball shin chan what have you is that yeah. some people don't realize these shows are huge or are still huge i think that's all the basis i wanted to cover as far as because you answered a lot of inuyasha questions so some, kind of some wrap-up questions if you had yeah. the chance to voice any character or be on any project what would you choose that is that is a question. Ugh. I'll, I'll Where do you even start? Yeah, I can tell you the one I hear the most often. I hear The Simpsons a lot. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to do The Simpsons. I think The Simpsons has got so many episodes that you would like forget about it. I mean, if if I wanted to be in a project, it would be a video game project, and I would love to be in something like, you know, Dead Space or, um, you know, something like that—a sci-fi horror. If they ever do a a sequel to Alien Isolation. I would love to be in that. Ah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is a tough question. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You tell me what you're currently doing. Um, have you ever considered going back into voice acting? Yes. So when I first came back to Canada from, uh, from Hong Kong in 98, 
I wanted to get into it. And I didn't realize because I'd always ever done it as part of the team on Omni, just how competitive oh, and how gosh. professional, how professional the, the North American uh, dubbers are, right? Mm. Like the voice actors, and they're incredibly talented, but so many of them have gone either, you know, they've, they've started off on YouTube or whatever, or, you know, they've gone to school or what have you. So I didn't know how, how competitive it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> I, I tried my hat at it when I first moved back to Toronto in 98, but uh, I didn't, I didn't get anywhere. It's oh, um, too bad. And I, you know, I thought about it. I would love uh, to get back into that do a little bit here on the side, you know, here and there. Um, yeah. You know, especially, especially in the video game market or something like that, you know, cause then I could be like, Oh yeah, that's me on screen right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have thought about it. But again, I know it's 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 a tough thing to get into. So, what's on the horizon for uh, Mr. Darren? Uh, you know, I'm just gonna continue to do what I do, uh, delivering the mail. <laughs> uh, you know, trying to uh, you know run run games for my friends and uh, do a little bit of writing here and there on the side. But uh, otherwise, just enjoying life as it comes. Yeah. yeah. Especially after this two years of being, you know, locked away, it's it's, yeah, it's time God. to get out and, you know, yeah. back to back to reality. Yeah. Anything you want to advertise? Do you do Twitch streams? Do you run a business? No, I'm uh, pretty much just me. I just do my thing. Uh, you know, it, I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to to have a chit chat, I'm I'm always you know open to yeah. that. All right, that's about all I had for you. Thank you so much for taking some time and chatting me up. Uh, we'll stay in touch if I have any other questions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah uh, throw my way, and it was a pleasure making your acquaintance and, and having a chit chat. Yeah, add me on Facebook, and we can uh, keep awesome. in touch. Sounds cool. good. All right. All right. Have a nice rest of your weekend. You too. Have a great afternoon. Thank you to Darren for taking the time to do this interview, and thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate this podcast five stars and subscribe via your favorite podcast app to know first when an episode is posted. If you want to hear more info about English dubs, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Yuiharuhara. Actually, I included snippets of this interview in my video about Urusei Atsura. Check that out if you haven't already. Here's my guest next time on English VoiceOver in Asia. My name is Sean Cleveland. I'm Darren's brother that you interviewed. If you're an actor that has worked in Asia and would like to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to yuiharuhara at gmail.com. If you're a listener and would like to know when I have upcoming guests, please follow me on Twitter at yuiharuhara or stay tuned to my YouTube community tab. From there, you'll be able to ask guests questions that may be featured in their interview. Until next time, take care.